back to Catching Up David. Tonight is episode 94, Barbenheimer. Hello, Kristen. Hi, David. Hello, Hallie. Hi, David. Hello, listeners. Barbenheimer is a 2023 biographical thriller fantasy comedy film directed by Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan. Barbenheimer stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Killian Murphy, and Emily Blunt. Among many, many other famous people, there are seriously so many. Barbenheimer was a huge commercial success, grossing close to $2 billion at the box office, which is kind of insane. I think it's at like 1.7 billion worldwide right now. It's at so much. There's so it's much money. The highest grossing film ever directed by a woman and the highest grossing World War II related film. There are so many oh, World War II related films, mm-hmm. so that's like quite a feat. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, Chris. <laughs> but that's one better. that's been on your bucket list for a while. Have the highest World War II related grossing film. Yeah. Um, I started laughing because he's so good at Yeah, those are the two co-directors of this masterpiece. <laughs> Critics love Barbenheimer, praising the script, the performances of Robbie, Gosling, Murphy, and Robert Downey Jr., and the visuals, though not all agreed with Kyle Smith of the Wall Street Journal writing that, quote, the script is like a grumpier-than-average women's study seminar. And Richard Brody for the New York Times comparing the film unfavorably with a Wikipedia entry on the title character. I'll let you guess which title character that is. It's Oppenheimer. I wondered if that was the case. Yeah. But I do think that's a really funny and correct comparison. Yeah. He was like, if you just read the wikipedia entry you get a lot more of like the moral qualms yeah <laughs> and like interesting facts that were left out of the movie which is the thing the things that you see a, a biopic for but yeah that's fine yeah anyways in case it's been a while since you've seen it barbenheimer is the story of barbie a doll who lives in Barbie land a dimension parallel to ours where every day is perfect and sunny and every night is girls night Barbie loves her life and holds many fun dance parties in her many fun outfits with her boyfriend Ken, who only exists for her. Meanwhile, in our world, J. Robert Oppenheimer is studying experimental physics. He gains a reputation for being a brilliant, yet womanizing and communist-sympathizing theoretical scientist, until one day, news reaches him that scientists have split the atom, which tears apart the divide between our world and Barbie land. Barbie begins to think of death and ventures between the dimensions to find the cause of her newfound existential crisis and anxiety. In a self-aware move, she discovers it's the sound editing that's causing her anxiety, <laughs> as the strings that swell beneath every character's dramatic dialogue are too loud, not to mention all the explosions from the bomb tests. Will someone please turn down the volume before Barbie loses her mind, or will she be stuck in this myopic for eternity, jumping at every new booming noise that the patriarchal war machine makes forever? Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer? Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Barb. <laughs> Listeners, there's actually two movies. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. <laughs> um... 
Listeners, there's yes. actually two movies. What? Yeah. But your synopsis was so good of like of 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 the movie. Yeah. Of the one movie co-directed by Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan. You really folded in the cheese of the two plots. Yeah, you really folded in the cheese. <laughs> yeah, as as people normally say. Exactly. <laughs> then people say. I was thinking of Schitt's Creek when they're trying to make um, like enchiladas. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, and you fold in the cheese. And like, what what does that mean? That you just you fold just you in fold the in the Okay, but what does that mean? Do I fold the cheese in half? But like, you fold it in the cheese. You like fold it in the cheese. You just, just like. That. Catherine O'Hara did in Shit's Creek. I can't. Moira, that's her name. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The show I've definitely seen. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good show, David. That's my friend. You know what? You know what quote comes from Shit's Creek that we don't say often enough? You, David. You, David. We're just several. Why several, th- several things followed by the name David. I almost got you a magnet that said "Gross, David" <laughs> from five below. Once. And then I forgot about it like immediately when I turned to look at something else like a small bird. So I like the video of like when you don't have an affectionate cat and it's just this woman trying to pet her cat and he always just like moves away with the sound clips of like, you David, no David, you no David, 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 it's my turn to take a selfish David. Yeah. Okay. So Barb, <laughs> Barb and Heimer, Barb like and arm Heimer. and hammer. Barbenheimer. Uh, let's do the personality quiz. Personality quiz. Uh, this quiz was weird. Yeah, it was. Super it was weird. more like Barbenheimer theories, not personalities. Yeah, not, not that at all. But this quiz did, in fact, incorporate both Barb and Enheimer. Yeah. It did that. So. Good for you, quiz. Yeah, I gave it a shot. Howie. My result, Oppenheimer is a Ken. He's physicist Ken who had to go to the real world because Barbie world wouldn't accept quantum mechanics. That means I'm a physicist, I think. No. I don't know what else to take away from it is the thing. Nothing. You don't take anything from it. It just is. I get nothing from it. Yeah. Okay. It just is. Just is. It just is. What is what is just you? What is just what just is you? Is oh no, what did I do? Barbie World was possible because of Oppenheimer's research. Is Barbie World at a quantum level? He <laughs> he. It might... says he <laughs> he. That wasn't me. Okay, so you don't even have like physicists to latch on to. No. Nope. It's possible that I am all of Barbie World. Perhaps. I'm a Barbie World. In a Barbie girl. <laughs> I didn't like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I have become destroyer of Barbie worlds. <laughs> Never. I have to show you guys something later that I forgot about until just now <laughs> it in my phone. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> David, what did what what strange sentence are you? you I am also you? Barbie World was possible because of Oppenheimer's <laughs> research. Is Barbie World at a quantum level? 
There's no question mark or anything. No. It's just... <laughs> I hate this one because I detest hee-hee. Like, I don't think people should use it. <laughs> what are... How would you rank the text message laughs? Um, LOL does so much. Yeah. So much. Although I prefer LMAO. I was going to say, LMAO yeah. is after LOL yeah. because I like that LOL is more like, you can, you can use it for anything. You can make LOL, I just got it by a truck. It's uses are truly universal. Um, or you can mean it to genuinely LOL. Yeah. LMAO, I feel like you have to have like other qualifications. Do like, you, 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 so you pronounce it LOL and not LOL. LOL? I would never. Or LMAO. Would never. Okay. I don't like those debates of like, how do you say LMAO? Because there's one option. <laughs> and it's LMAO. Um, and it's then ha is after, no. Yes. And then ha is after that. Kind of boring, but gets the job done. Yeah. Okay. Um, A laughing smiley face is really only for people you don't know very well. And you yeah. want to communicate very clearly that you're being like, Light-hearted and right. fun, and your LOL is not sarcastic. Yeah, because, like, when you're texting somebody you know really well, the sarcasm is probably there on purpose. Yeah. And then he he's right. way at the bottom. Yeah, That's he-he. only used for, like, mischievous mice. Tee-hee is okay, though. No. I like tee-hee. No. I'm sorry, sending that to you. No. Tee-hee. Tee-hee's better than hee-hee, but it's not good. I like Tiki quite a bit. Okay. Hee is for mischievous mice. Tiki is for mischievous like something else. Okay. I almost said children, but like mice are better than children. <laughs> I was gonna say you're gonna so have a hard time finding up. something better than little mice. Like little cartoon mice going hee. That's fun. Yeah, they can do it. No one else can. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good ranking. Yeah. I like I like the ha ha. Uh-huh. A little bit more than you, but... It's it's fine. It doesn't carry the same sarcastic punch. I'm going to start sending laughing out loud, like spelled out. Laughing out entirely. loud. Yeah. <laughs> and see if it catches on. It won't. Sometimes I think okay. of the episode... <laughs> sometimes I think of the episode of Zoe 101 where Michael is trying to get dripping to mean cool. <laughs> and he was like, that's dripping. So sometimes in my head, out of nowhere, I'm just like dripping. Fetch will never happen, Gretchen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. I love when lines from Nickelodeon shows or any shows stick with you. I want to like write the writers and be like this thing that you put in a random episode that's probably a throwaway line. I say like twice a week. I do not control the speed at which lobsters die. Thank you, whoever wrote that line. What? Drake and Josh. Oh, I don't remember that. Really? No. I don't because somebody took it and made like an erasure poem and gave it different quotes to many different people, such as Greek gods. I think often on Nickelodeon ones, um, again with Michael, and he was trying to learn how to do something and it was meant to be like a karate kid type thing, and he's like, wax on, wax off, but instead it was stir the tuna. Stump the grapes. So <laughs> that comes up a lot in this little brain of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Same with Trina and Victorious when she's like, I want something. <laughs> because don't we all? <laughs> I 
Anyway, Barbenheimer. Yeah. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Well. <laughs> are you Barbieing first or Oppenheimer? Yeah, first? which one are we tackling? Well, one of these movies is much better than the other. <laughs> I feel like we should get that out of the way. All right. The good one? Let's announce it. Just the announcement. Like, do you want to end on a Oh, okay. Yeah. Three, two, one. Barbie! Barbie was really good. Barbie's better. Yeah. The better half of Barbenheimer. The better half of Barbenheimer. We did watch it in Barbenheimer order. Yeah. And I sort of regret that. (laughs) Like, it's silly. Many people leading up to the Barbenheimer Mm -hmm. day were like, what's your order? And I did like all the things that were like, who is ending on Oppenheimer? I did enjoy it. Who is seeing this light-hearted movie full of joy and then going into depression willingly would you rather not be depressed first and then be lifted out of that and i'm like yeah that's correct it's like you saved the best part of your meal for last you're gonna save the joy for last we just like needed the shorter movie for the evening showing it's true that is we had real life constraints working against us um, I did love all the internet discourse, though, going up. Like, what's your order? And all the memes about, like, seeing the same person <laughs> in Barbie that you saw in Oppenheimer. All the pointing. Good stuff. I like stuff. I also just liked when people had their schedules. They're like, 10 a.m., wake up. 10.30, have a slice of honeydew melon for breakfast. <laughs> 11.30, chain smoke. <laughs> 1 o'clock, Oppenheimer. 4.30, dinner at Chili's. Like, sob with friends. 6 p.m., Barbie. <laughs> and then, like, 9.30, dance party. I don't know. They just had a whole whole itinerary. Yeah. Bless them. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Barbie was better. Um, which, subjectively, I would have said regardless, I think, yes. because I was just way more excited for Barbie. And, like, yes. I think most people, if given the choice, would be like, I want the funny movie. That's fun and pink and has energy in it. But also, it was an hour shorter than Oppenheimer, which automatically makes it better. And I could hear the dialogue, which also automatically makes it better. Yeah. And it wasn't a Wikipedia article, which also makes it better. Yeah. didn't have McCarthyism, though. That would have made Barbie really good. You didn't get that subtext? No, there was McCarthyism subtext. Underneath all the patriarchy, you have to ask. God, you will never see it for yourself. McCarthy is in subtext. That's like the D plot. Were you awake? (laughs) It's just. Were we distracted by the C plot of horses? (laughs) I did like the horses. Yeah. All right. Are we starting with Oppenheimer or Barbie? What's our order? We can start. We can start. Wherever you want. We, we start with Oppenheimer, so we bounce, end on a high note. Bounce back and forth. We can... I have a couple questions that bridge the gap. Why are you laughing? Between our world and Barbie world. Okay. Barbie land. Have you seen... Kendom. There's this really weird dumb... Barbie post. land. That's like... Let's just say if I was dating you, horses wouldn't be called <laughs> horses anymore. And the reply was like, what does this mean? <laughs> I'm shaking. What does this mean? And someone put them in Ken and Barbie. I love Tumblr because it's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It's my favorite. 
It's where I got um, the phrase, like, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. And so I say it all the time, and I think people can come dumb because I think they're probably like, that's not how that expression goes. You're mixing things up. And I'm like, yeah, it's intentional. Tumblr talk. Okay, David, you were saying real words that You were saying sense. real words. You had questions for us. The answer's yellow. Yeah. Horses. Yellow horses. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a couple questions that do combine the two movies. There are, there are some themes that I noticed between the two of them. Really fold in the cheese. Yeah. Yeah. The tea plots. Yeah. The horses. The horses. The McCarthyism among the horses. The, Rampant. The entire Oppenheimer Barbie enchilada. Yeah. With the cheese. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And so. <laughs> That was the Oppenlada. Oppenlada. Yes, David. I don't know why we're in a mood. Proceed. <laughs> Question one, I'm ready. All right. Uh-huh. So the, the three questions that involve... Both movies, if you want to start there and then branch out into yeah, them. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we've got patriarchy. <laughs> we've got women. <laughs> That'll be slightly easier to talk about in one of these movies than the other one. Um, and then I was curious about, like, the world building in both of them. Okay. Because they're both... One being historical, even if it is, like, contemporary history for the most part, it is, like, you still got to kind of build the world. And there were some... The line that has stuck with me is when... Is at the very end where Strauss is talking to his... I don't even know. Here's the problem with Oppenheimer, is there are so many white men, I do not know who any of them are. They all looked... I know they're all different people, but I was just like, I can't tell these people apart. I I don't know... They're all wearing the same suit. I can tell them apart less than I could tell the Barbies apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, Strauss has, like, an assistant or somebody, but the guy doesn't like him. He played Han Solo. Literally all of these... Ansel Elgort? No. What? Ansel Elgort did not play Han Solo. Who am I thinking of? The man who played Han Solo. Right, but what's his name? <laughs> I don't know. What's his name? Literally all these but... actors. I was just like, you were Jasper in The 100. You are Josh from Drake and Josh. You were in um, Jumanji. You were in Han Solo. You were like, every actor was just... I was like, there's Richie from Scream 6. Sorry, 5. <laughs> and Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Okay, they have similar names. Alden But it's the, it's the young yeah. it's the young guy yeah. who With doesn't ease. like Strauss. Yeah. Yeah. But is still always with him and trying to help him at some point. I think that's maybe. his job. Yeah. You haven't, I think you've never been paid assistant. to do that. I haven't been an assistant. You have to do The vibe. But, anyways. Um, the line. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that guy at, at the end is like, um, tells him there are some holdouts for his cabinet confirmation. And he's like, well, who are the holdouts? And he's like, this one young guy named Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. Yeah. And it's like this name drop that's supposed... It's like it's like a thing that the Marvel movies will do. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we made a reference 
Thanos. Yeah, you heard of you heard of that guy? Haha. That's part of the deep lore. <laughs> it's like this is John F. Kennedy. Why would you write the line like that? Yeah. I don't it's think, bothered me since we saw it. I don't think the line needed to be written that way, but I do like it in the sense that this movie spanned like many years, so I kind of like that it ends on a time frame where it's like here's another reference you might know that Kennedy guy I had seen people joke about it on Twitter before I saw the movie and so I thought the delivery was going to be way worse I truly thought it was going to be like Kennedy John F. Kennedy but it was actually more like Kennedy he was like Kennedy John John F. Kennedy Kennedy? like I was like oh this is a lot more Ken this is I will give it credit for being way better than the jokes are making it however I could still sense the wink wink behind the line and I didn't like the wink wink behind the line but it all Oppenheimer had also not gained me favor by that point in the movie but my thing in relation to that of you said it feels like a Marvel movie is that the first like at least 40 minutes of this movie just felt very quippy and I understand it to a certain degree of like you're trying to cover many periods in time or like certain interactions that lead up to building Mm -hmm. the bomb so like yeah I get it you've got to like condense those you got to get to the meat of the conversation and you want to keep it interesting for people but although they weren't quite like zingers it was still like someone says something and someone has like a witty comeback and it's not to say that theoretical physicists can't have witty comebacks i'm sure they're very smart but it's also like it felt very much so like something you would almost see in a marvel movie and you expect that in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I can get behind some yeah. like fun little one-liners. I just didn't expect it in a movie about building the atomic, <laughs> the atomic bomb. bomb. <laughs> and it also felt very much so like, oh, we expect this to be nominated for Oscars. Right. And here are sound clips that we're going to use when this is nominated for Oscars. And like the lines, Which is, it's fine. They're it's not just, bad lines, and they're not, and the actors are giving it their all. They're, they're not giving bad it actors. All. They're, it's like, it's just, it I, works. It's just like, ugh, Chris. I didn't expect it in. In, in an atomic bomb movie. I just, I, it feels like their energies went towards places that it, it could have. It stopped it, by like an hour yeah. in because at that point they were focused more on like bomb of it all instead of like leading up to it. But and I don't like that I'm complaining about this because I don't like when people complain about this. Because I'm like, have fun, live a little. I, I just, it felt misplaced. No, I agree with that. I had a lot of like, I guess I would call them conflicting feelings about the movie. But they're not really in conflict with each other. None of them are like positive. <laughs> it was like, it was both like really quippy and like the dialogue was so fast paced and the editing was so fast paced it like there was no room to breathe at any point and yet i was so bored too like i wanted something to happen and i also somehow didn't get that either until like the very end when there was a bomb and then I knew that was coming. <laughs> right. I've heard of I've heard of that part of the story. But like there was just there was so much talking about things that I wasn't sure I was interested in and the movie didn't sell me on 
being interested in them either. Like, and maybe it's just like, I don't know. There, there were there were parts of Oppenheimer's character that I was like, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that he had like left leaning political views. I didn't realize that he ran around with communists at a time yeah. when like you shouldn't run around with communists. That was cool if stuff. People are gonna, I don't know, haul you before a boring committee. <laughs> but like, it was. I I found myself not becoming that attached to the character that the movie was all about which mm-hmm. i think is sort of the maybe not the goal of a biopic biopic, biopic. I, I always wrong, say biopic i like biopic and then it wasn't until like a couple of years ago that someone's like you idiot it's a biopic and i'm like that's the dumbest thing right. i've ever that heard doesn't, that, that doesn't sound that does not sound nearly as distinguished or as fun as biopic, biopic. just sounds stupid yeah yeah. Biopic. I always thought biopic. it was a biopic, but I have also heard that it is correctly pronounced biopic. Well, if anyone says so. biopic and they're listening to it, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yes. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like I should have more connection with the person the movie is titled after, and I, I didn't, and I feel like it wasn't necessarily the the historical person's fault. <laughs> I think it was the presentation of the film. I can see that because mm-hmm. the movie ended and said Oppenheimer, except I left it and I didn't really care about Oppenheimer. Like, he was just a man who was part of the story, which but he should contribute more given that he's the titular character. I, but I just, I didn't, he was just a guy. And there were, like, so many side characters, but none of them really had a latchable side story no. either. So it's not no. even like I connected to someone in Oppenheimer's story that I all didn't know about. Well, well, that's the other thing is, with all the million different actors, right. and I was sitting there like, hey, guy from Jumanji, hey, guy from Han Solo, hey, hi, guy from The 100. I kept looking forward to being like, hated your character in The 100, Impress me here. And, yeah. like, I don't know if his character said anything beyond maybe a couple words. <laughs> and then everyone else, they just had, like, a few lines here or there. And I'm like, I, w- I wanted more of you. Yeah. Like, so many of them felt like setups for this, like, screenwriting 101 trick where you have a phrase at, at like, act one and then bring the phrase back later in yeah. some, like, new context. It's like, oh, you got me. You said the words again in Act 3. And it was like, that. there were like four different characters where that was their only purpose. Yeah. And I can't, I don't know their names. (laughs) (laughs) I I can barely remember the lines. (laughs) But, and and the thing is like, it definitely felt like an Oscar bait movie because Oscar people love that stuff. (laughs) And... <laughs> that that and like the weird the weird like visions people kept having yeah that was like now it's cinema because <laughs> somebody is imagining Oppenheimer having sex in a chair right like now like now like, like... <laughs> here's where we're at several minutes of Florence Pugh's boobs <laughs> equals art it wasn't several minutes I was just like this is a tough... I also just hated that character so much because love Florence Pugh. I, I don't know. 
she acted like she was Catwoman the entire time. I was like, why is this woman a femme fatale? Like, I don't... Someone did have the question of, like, what purpose did she serve? There, Okay, so yeah. there, there are three... And this is my, one of my other questions for uh, discussion. There are, like, three women in Oppenheimer. Yeah, I can only think of... One of them is Florence Pugh. The other one is his wife. Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the woman who they try to kick out of the lab because radiation might be bad for her reproductive mm. organs. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, what might about your reproductive yeah. organs? And that's like her one line. She also... No, she has... She, she talks about... Meeting. She does talk about the me- in the meeting. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But those are... Those are the those women are, of Oppenheimer. Those are them. And Technically, there's also the woman who was revealed with at the end that he also had an affair with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. four oh, he never women. Found out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so the, the scientist woman is the only one who isn't, like, defined by her relationship to Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... I don't think it passes the Bechdel test, does it? Like, there's... I do not know that the women ever speak to each other. Or no. if they do, it's got to just be like... Or like her in the Hi, Nancy. Scene. Yeah. Her brother's... Yeah. Or his brother's fiance. Oh, yeah. We meet her. But again, I don't... We see Emily Blunt looking at Oppenheimer talking to the blonde lady. But, like, she does not talk to the blonde yeah. lady. Yeah. I don't think it passes And, I mean, test. it's... <sighs> It just, it just, I get it. Oppenheimer's whole sphere and the part of his life that the biopic is interested in would have been male-dominated. Like, would have been. fine, we know, we know men rule the world. Like, we get it. Um, it just feels like other filmmakers may have done better <laughs> with the female characters, or not even given them more to do, just given them more of a presence. You know, I don't even mind, you know, that he had all these different women in his life. It's more like for Jean, it's like, okay, did she convince him to stay more with communism when he otherwise would have abandoned it? Abandoned it? No evidence there. I know that he said, yeah. like, oh, I did keep some ties. I didn't sever all ties with my communist friends. But it's not like, oh, just referring to her. Like, no, he had that one other guy and, like, a, probably several other people. Yeah. Like, it's it's not even... Because, again, it's such a male-dominated mm-hmm. point in time and story and everything that, like, yeah, I don't expect women to be playing, like, a starring role in this. But, like, his wife at least at the end, had the whole thing where she was like, why are you just, like, letting them tar and feather you? Like, they're not going to forgive you for this. Yeah. And she, like, gives them a little more... She got a cool... A little more bite. A cool scene in the trial. Like, that yeah. was a great scene. And I love that. That was yeah. great. Yeah. And I'm happy for her. And I loved when the guy went to go shake her hand at the White House mm-hmm. later, and she just, like, keeps her hand there and gives yeah. him a look. I'm like, yeah, you... Yeah. That, what, a, what a look. Yeah. What a, like, yeah. I despise you look, and yeah. I have not forgiven you or and, forgotten. Like, imagine a movie where we had more scenes not just for the women doing that but i don't know for characters having like like it's not that we don't see people having emotions or doing that kind of thing it's just that like it feels second to the informational aspect of it i (sighs) yeah so much of the dialogue 
throughout all three hours of the film. Like it, it it's so expository. There's there's <laughs> even like towards the end where we're getting like much of Strauss's communication with his aide at the end is still like explaining yeah. things that are happening. Yeah. Like, poli- like not showing us politically. It's like the two of them in the room yeah. talking about these things that are happening so the audience can understand. And then he's like unveiling his 4D chess plan. But I was like, I this doesn't mean anything to me. I haven't yeah. seen the he's... building blocks going up to yeah. it. And then it's undone immediately. Like, we don't yeah. sit with, oh no, Strauss has won for a while before we get that flipped for us. So it's just, it's such a strange pacing and mm-hmm. such a strange way. Like... A biopic should be informational because it's cool, but I mean, I, it just it needs to be something besides just that. I I wonder if the movie bit off more than it could chew a little bit. Mm. Like it's a Hollywood movie, and it is sort of a blockbuster, or is trying to be, but also trying to be an Oscar film, mm-hmm. and like, so you have to because. It's a, a Hollywood film. You have to have a villain, so you have to have Strauss. Mm-hmm. But because you have a villain, you have to have Strauss. You ha- you add in all of these other like, you you have the entire thing about like Oppenheimer getting ruined at the not quite a trial, but the yeah. he's trying to renew his security clearance yeah. and like all of that gets brought in as a frame, and then you've got all of like Strauss before congress trying to get confirmed for the cabinet position as a thing and it's like that's why it's three hours but like what if (laughs) we told what if we had like a smaller bit of oppenheimer's life right like that didn't start with him as a grad student also like and like we just we don't need strauss's plot Right. Like at all. Like you can just be like, oh, he's up for his security clearance to be renewed again because, well, he has communist ties and all. Like you can just explain it that way. You don't have to I mean, add all this other stuff. The thing is that, like, they could have pulled off this Strauss thing without having Strauss's whole, his whole, I'm going to be on the cabinet or whatever. That's like, true. I feel like if you just showed Strauss in all the stuff leading up to that and then had him find out in some other way that took 30 seconds then it's like oh oh no Strauss like they still could have had that if they really wanted to justify because I don't mind the way that they tell it through this like weird trial deposition thing it's Mm -hmm. it's just that we had that and we had the cabinet meeting and that was too many official meetings for one movie yeah it was um oh go ahead I'm sorry oh my well, on the Wikipedia page, Oppenheimer was described as a biographical thriller. Oh and I think God. it, like I, I mentioned before when we were talking about uh, Arrival, that I do like the genre of film known as the document thriller. But this was not... This could have been a was, document thriller. This was not that. It would have been cool. Yeah, right. this was not that. This was not that thing. It, it was, yeah, there were, there were too many official proceedings and too many... I, I still don't know who the Russian spy was. No, they showed him, but yeah. that, that was the thing I was about to say, is that, like, what's weird to me is that they showed this guy who, like, yeah, we saw Oppenheimer, like, 
actively arguing with yeah. about like whether or not there was a spy mm-hmm. and you know we knew that there was a little bit of beef there because he was like what did what did he tell einstein that made him turn against me mm-hmm. and like all this other stuff so someone had just been like oh it was straws he set this up he's the reason that like this is all being yeah. reviewed we would have been like oh of course it was that guy Whereas the information about the Russian spy that kept coming up multiple times, and there was never any sense of, like, who is the Russian spy? Like, where can we find evidence? Like, oh, no, this person was talking to this person. And then they just mentioned casually at the end, like, oh, you didn't hear? He was a spy for Russia. And then they don't even cut to a scene with With him him again where we can see, like, oh... He really, he really played a double agent here. So it's the fact that, like, you had this, to me, more interesting side plot of, like, oh, my God, there's a Russian spy, like, information's being leaked. And that's just a casual, like, oh, you didn't hear? They were a spy. Whereas this guy's vendetta against Oppenheimer, who sucks, so of course everyone has a vendetta against Oppenheimer, becomes this huge part of the movie and he's trying to be secured for a cabinet position and I'm like, bro, I don't even know who you are. I have no idea who you are. And then he didn't, he didn't, there was the Russian spy but then he was trying to protect a friend of his too, right? Who had like led him to the Russian spy. That was a different person. That was a different person and I I hated that too because I still don't know who that is. That was the guy who was like, you know, there's someone who could share information with the Russian. Oh, the guy who like watched his baby for a while. Yeah. Okay. It was just him because, and okay. you only figure it out because they mention it. That's the Chevalier guy. Okay. But they, they don't said that name a lot. But, but I they never, never said that that was his name. And they only showed later at the end of the movie. It was like, and Chevalier like went into hiding, yeah. and it just showed him like carrying groceries into this house or yeah. something. So that's how you put two and two together. But they kept being like, oh. He didn't name the name until months later, and it was already too late. So I thought later in the movie we would see him giving this name due to some critical, pivotal point where he's like, oh, he might have actually done... No, that didn't happen. It kept like setting these things up that I was like, oh, payoff. No, no no payoff. No payoff. Also, my beef is that at the start of the movie... They show all these, like, really fast-moving lights and, like, explosions and everything. And I don't pretend to understand physics. I did not take physics. None of that. But I like science. And so I wanted them to, like, explain more of it to me. And when they were showing all the lights and the explosions, I kind of thought that was going to be, like, imagery that came back later as we learned more about, like, they're not going to teach us all how to split an atom. Like, I didn't think that that's what this movie was going to do. But I thought it was going to, like, come back more. Like, it showed elements of the science, but never really gave us science. They also talked too fast for me to... Like, I appreciated any time they were just in a classroom and he was like, oh, here's, like, the way he was explaining to his one student at first. Mm -hmm. He was like, light is particles and waves. How is that possible? It's an oxymoron. I was like, this is interesting. This is cool. And then they had the, 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 like, bowls with the marbles to represent Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. But, like, I didn't catch what it was because they weren't talking at a regular speed. (laughs) It also um, was interesting to me because I listened to an audiobook Oh, God, what's it called? I'll pull it up. 
but it was recommended to me, not normally my thing, but I listened to it, and it mentions various different, like, scientists throughout history, and it's a weird, like, historical fiction, some truth, some not truth stuff, but it mentions a lot of these scientists. So at the start, when they're mentioning all these big names and these meetings that they're having at Cambridge, I was like, oh my god. I knew I read, I read a book. I listened to a, they They yeah. talked about this. These are the meetings that they had in the yeah. book. And I was like very excited to be like, oh, I know this. I know that. And then it didn't come back. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you had me. And then you lost me. Yeah. It um, did. There, it's funny that you mentioned that because it did feel for a lot of it like I was watching an audiobook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just there's so much information that Christopher Nolan wants to give us. And I'm sure it was very interesting to him when he read it in the book that the movie is based on. Mm-hmm. But it really needed to get edited down by like. At least half an hour. At least at the at the very least half an hour. I yeah. go a little bit further and say one full hour. Yeah. I also I want to read that book, but the thing is that I will retain much more information from a book I am reading mm-hmm. than seventy people talking a mile a minute and yeah. under the strings he likes so much. <laughs> the strings. People are gonna hate me for saying this, yeah. <laughs> but when you're like, he probably thought that book was interesting, but it didn't do well to translate it. He didn't do as good of a job as Lin-Manuel Miranda when he read Hamilton and then, like, made Hamilton the musical. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, are you kidding me right now? But I mean it in the sense that, like, I'm not saying Christopher Nolan had to make a hip-hop rap musical. But, like, he can make a serious drama But, like, Lin-Manuel Miranda took something that's, like, historical that I think a lot of people will easily brush off as, like, "Mm, history's not really my thing. Why do I care about the founding fathers? And made it engaging and interesting. And I remember hearing an interview, watching it, I don't remember, but he was talking with the author of the Hamilton book that he read that inspired the whole musical. Mm-hmm. And was like kind of, I think, fact-checking various different things with him. And he was like, yes, we have John Lawrence, we have Marquis de Lafayette, and we have, oh God, Hercules Mulligan. So we got to like get them all out. And I guess the author of the book was like, well actually they they come at different points in time in his life and Lin-Manuel Miranda was like I get it but they're kind of our key players and we got to introduce them all at once so I'm not saying that he should be taking these like creative liberties with like this historical story per se but I think Lin-Manuel Miranda knew that he had to make it interesting and there are certain people you have to condense into one person or roll them out at a similar time even though maybe it technically would have been a couple years later you can just be ambiguous with it and i think he christopher nolan should have taken a page from that book in that he had like i said i kept being like oh that guy and that guy and that guy and waiting for any of them to be relevant to the plot. Instead of just a name drop. They were just there. Yeah. They weren't even a name drop. It was just like a random student. And I know that... With oh, how I thought you people... about the people. Okay, I gotcha. No, and I know with how many people worked on the bomb, not everyone's going to... Like, it's it's often... You're going to need a lot of background, background right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, sure. Um, Bernard from the Santa Claus, he had yeah. a more starring role. Matt mm-hmm. Damon had a more starring role. Fine by me. But he kept, like... Jumanji Kid. In the start of the movie... 
not in the later part of the yeah. movie, and I don't know why he couldn't have just like kept some more people a little more continuously throughout it. Yeah. Um, give us some through line buddies because like if you give Oppenheimer some good friends, and you have to, you don't have to make them up. Just no. take what you have researched and then give that person a mini plot, a deep. That's plot, all, if you will. That's all. Like I and they just didn't have it or if they did it was one line that came back every 45 minutes yeah that yeah didn't you do remember anything. you know it it felt like there were little things that we were supposed to remember people by like Jean. you could remember her because she was one of three women in yeah. the movie but also he kept bringing her flowers it was like oh yeah. this is the flower lady right she doesn't like flowers mm. but he keeps bringing them to her which like was pissing yeah. me off like bro like, you do not know how to seduce a woman if she very plainly tells you, I do not want flowers, stop bringing them. And he's like, well, maybe this time. At least the last time it seemed like an inside joke. But that also preceded her suicide pretty immediately. So I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the flowers, but but it, I, I don't know. It's just, it, oh my God, it was so much. Also, yeah. if anyone wanted to know what that book was that I mentioned, because it was interesting. It was kind of weird. Um, but it was called When We Cease to Understand the World by Benjamin Labatut. Kind I, of a weird book, mm-hmm. but like mentions many of these scientists. So if that's if that's a thing you're interested in, you might enjoy this. Proceed. Uh, I looked up Hamilton's runtime, the, the movie version that we watched. Check yes. out our episode on our podcast page. Hey. Uh, it was two hours and 40 minutes. Let less time than Oppenheimer. Less time than Oppenheimer, but also like, and, and a lot of that runtime is songs and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, it felt like there was a lot of information that got conveyed mm-hmm. over that runtime mm-hmm. without you know me feeling exhausted and simultaneously super bored from information overload as I was watching Oppenheimer. And the nice thing, musicals have the benefit of having their act one and two opening and closing songs, which are that summarize everything and give you like a whole bunch of backstory in six minutes. And it's much more difficult for movies to do that as concisely. So I get that. But at the same time, it still went from like, here's Alexander Hamilton at like 20 years old Mm-hmm. No name for himself. Nothing. He's trying to go to school. I was born on an island. I was really smart. They like, sent me there after a hurricane. Yeah, like, my mother died. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. And ends with like his final death battle. And the, death, the, death the final death yeah. battle. <laughs> um, so, and that's... Granted, I don't think it's like that much later, but... Spans a good chunk of time. I can't believe that Christopher Nolan didn't have the good spot to make Oppenheimer a musical. Really should have. He should have just thrown in, like, wait for it in there. It's <laughs> just like, I'm out of nowhere. I'm not standing still, I am lying. Wait. Good times. Um, yeah. But he should have taken a page from Lemon Yeah. Book. And, like, it's so, it's so tragic because I am interested in a general sense, in what happened. Like, I forgot that this era was, in fact, McCarthyism. I was, I was, McCarthyism is bad, but like, but I'm so fascinated by it. At any time it's in a movie in that time period, I'm like, oh my god, we're talking about the communists. And I get so excited. The commies. The commies. And, 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 
And I was like, oh, like I also didn't know Oppenheimer was a was a liberal and thus was blacklisted for many. I didn't know anything about Oppenheimer. Beliefs. People were like Oppenheimer, the bomb man, yeah. and I'm like, who? And like and like at first when they started interrogating and I was like, oh, you're in hot water for making the atomic bomb. But then later I was like, oh, you're in hot water for being a communist? That's what they're so mad at you about? And then I was like, God, America sucks. Well, and- they kept in like making these little comments that yeah. insisted like, oh, yeah, we all really liked him. He was like the best scientist in the world yeah. until his fall from grace. So I kept waiting for him to like royally mess up somehow. And, and instead did. it was just that he was associated with communists who he had been associated with the entire movie. Which is... Who everybody knew he was friends right. with. Right. Which is tragic right. in a way. Like, that could have made a very tragic yeah. story if they had stuck with it. And I was really, really interested in, like, the framing of, here's why he's in trouble, it's communism. Like, I was yeah. so interested in all of that. And yet, I was just so lost the whole time but like i want to read about like that part of oppenheimer's life like i'm very intrigued by it mm-hmm. it just it feels like they had so many avenues and they walked a little bit down each one and then didn't i wanted more science you wanted more communism yeah david wanted more like caring about the main man and none of us got what we wanted. We could make a movie about science and communism caring about the main man yeah They're it could be, be a horror movie Gonna We're going to so make real. such a good movie one day. And Manuel yeah. Miranda's going to be in it. Yeah. yeah. Lynn, if you're listening, just shoot us a DM anytime. 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 Yeah. You look tired, David. I'm very tired. Is that how the old op makes you feel? Yep. Uh, also, I find Killian Murphy to be unsettling. <laughs> like, I know... He was so good as Oppenheimer, though. He did a wonderful job. I also agree. People are like, he's so handsome, and I'm like... Uh. I'm like, listen, he's not... He's not handsome. I'm not saying that he looks bad. I just, like, something about him is unsettling. (laughs) So, like, especially as he got older, and so they accentuated, like, his His, his cheekbones. But, like, the ones that are so close to his eyes, and it just really stresses me out. Oh, oh, other comment about Oppenheimer, not about the movie, but just about the content, is I, I was sitting next to you, David, you probably thought I was stressed about them hitting the button for the atomic bomb that they were testing. No, it's because I know it's a much smaller scale. There still had to have been some radiation on these, on this thing, and all these people are just, like, chilling. They're, like, <laughs> in their little zone, and I lo- I was watching it, and I'm like, why do they have futon mattresses on the ground and then they're like oh so you just lay down <laughs> you wait until and you, you see the flash the on the mountain doesn't come for you that's you wait until you see the flash on the mountain and then you turn around and you look through your tinted glass and i'm like i i mean i get it's better than nothing protect your eyes kids but like that was it and then they showed one person putting on some sort of goop that i imagined was meant to be almost like something to prevent against either the radiation or the extreme light or heat or something. They didn't explain it. Um, And then he he missed part of his forehead. He didn't get his ears. He didn't get his neck. And I'm like, (laughs) bruh, you also still have like your entire body. Like your, your cotton shirt isn't going to do anything. And I was getting very stressed out by the lack of care for radiation (laughs) as a person who cares so much about like UV rays when I go outside. I no, no care. 
care for radiation. The thing that will kill you. I was so stressed because I hate loud sounds in movies. <laughs> and this whole movie was loud because Christopher Nolan just loves the, the yeah. strings that or like just, people stomping. Yes. Yeah. And it was just so much. And I was so stressed out. And I was like, God, now we're going to do a bomb. And it's going to be really loud the way that bombs are. So I was just like... And then they made it quiet. It and then they made it really quiet. And, and it was a beautiful... It was a really pretty scene. Like, it was a really pretty It was scene. a good scene. But then... Then, and then it got loud. Listeners, I jumped very high. Everybody <laughs> in the theater saw me. It was very embarrassing. And for this, I will hold Hoppenheimer responsible forever. Among his many other things. He also made me jump in a theater. And um, I don't... I didn't... I, I was just so stressed. And I don't think I was stressed in the way the filmmakers wanted me to be stressed. Because that's like a stressful scene, right? You're going into the test. Everybody's preparing for safety stuff. Like, I... like. I get you want the audience to feel tension, but I just felt uncomfortable tension the whole time. Unrelated to the tension, but another thing that I meant to say earlier is that I was very confused by the fact that Bernard from the Santa Claus kept being like, no, I don't want all the physics to culminate in a weapon of mass destruction. I don't want to work on this. I think that's really upsetting and sad and I don't want to be a part of it. Great job. I applaud you, Bernard from the Santa Claus. But... He was vocalizing this, and I understand to a certain degree Oppenheimer's sense of, like, if we don't, someone else will, and it'll be, you know, the guys we're fighting against. But he he never, he said things like that, and he seemed to phrase it as, you know, again, if we don't, someone else will, which isn't, like, pro-bomb, but also, I don't remember what I was trying to say here, but, like, he never seems to feel guilty about it. Like, we see Bernard from the Santa Claus mm-hmm. checking in periodically. Yeah. And yeah. and when they show the effects of the bomb, everyone's cheering and celebrating. And they show him being like, mm, yeah, just very nervous about it because he understands what is about to be unleashed yeah. upon the world. Um, and, and Oppenheimer seems to have no sense of guilt or moral qualms about this. Until the bomb goes off, and then he imagines, like, stepping on the, like, charred body. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that you can't feel these things until later, until, like, push comes to shove, and they've actually used this weapon that you've created. But to me, it felt like it came out of nowhere, because he didn't... Like, people would say, like, hey, this bomb isn't good. And he's like, hey, we're just building it. We're not the one using it. Like, that's... He, but he he didn't seem to care until it was used, and then it just came out of left field to me. I got the impression that he was just telling himself that to get through the day, and that was just making it way worse for him eventually. Oh. Like I didn't like I didn't mind that he didn't feel it until later. Like I thought I don't know because I thought the movie did a good job of being like Oppenheimer. What do you think? Because mm-hmm. he was so middle of the field. He was, like, really good at playing both sides. And mm-hmm. many characters pointed it out about him and had frustrations with him on that. He's a politician now. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think the movie did a really good job of highlighting it. I also feel like it didn't give the audience enough to hold on to. Even, like, like even though... Because they did it well, it should be okay for us to be like, I can't tell what Oppenheimer thinks. Like, 
it kind of feels like the filmmakers just whiffed it on that one. After all of this information, they couldn't get to, they couldn't get to some kind of actual emotional climax for their main character because they were so focused on the information. You know who has a good one on this? Emotional climax. Aaron Burr. Yeah, he does. Real wishy-washy character who's uh-huh. like the doesn't know what he believes until like, his big his big room where it happens number and that's where he's like ah this is my i want statement mm-hmm. we never really got an i want statement from oppenheimer and i guess we don't and, need one i mean but... like listen it's a tricky it's it's like it's like it's not as clear as running for office i think they have like oh here's Aaron, here's aaron burr and um and oh, Thank you. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> the main character's name. Um, and, like, they hate each other and they're running for office or whatever. Like, I think being put in the position of choosing one of two evils, the atomic bomb or Adolf Hitler, like, I think that is a really complicated moral... I don't know you what don't I would do. I think that's the same amount, the same of, amount difficulty of difficulty as, like, should I be a Republican or a Democrat <laughs> in this election? In times when both of these parties are... Roughly the same amount of evil. Yes. It's, I, like, I don't know what I would do. I, I can't. It stresses me out to think about it. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm awful, not the decision maker. Awful situation. Awful things to have to consider. I, it, like, and I don't necessarily think we needed to see Japan or anything like that. Like, I, no. I don't, that didn't need to be in the movie, so I'm glad that it wasn't. Yeah. Just, just the part where you're seeing them see the footage. Yeah. Like, I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. And so I really liked the, like, out-of-body sequences where he was seeing the charred flash and stuff, except for when the bomb went off again, because it frightened me again. And I was like, stop <laughs> it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't mind. It's just, like, all of that was buried under the other two and a half hours of it that I can't get to it. Like, it's really close to being something I'm very interested in. Mm-hmm. And... I actually think it's a really interesting route to go to be like, we don't know how he felt. And so we aren't going to tackle the moral quandary, but it also feels like they aren't even doing that on purpose. I I don't, for as much as I'm sitting here, like, here's another thing I didn't like. I did enjoy the movie generally. Like I had a decent time and I would watch it again with subtitles. Yeah. yeah, I know David said he was bored. I was not bored. I thought it was like still pretty interesting, not like the most engaging movie. But I think to me where it falls short is again it set up the sciency imagery mm-hmm. imagery that never came back. It mentioned like the Russian spy that was glossed over. Mm-hmm. Like it just set up all these different things. So much set up and not a lot of payoff. And not a lot of payoff. And or they paid stuff. The they did gave things us they acted off. like they paid off, but they didn't set those up. The they didn't up that they paid yeah, off. Yeah, they so didn't like, set up the payoffs, or they didn't give us a payoff for the setup. This or like, it was just like, like so small that I'm like, I guess it's a victory. Yeah. Really, like, the only part, the part character wise that I liked the most was actually when they asked Matt Damon, like, okay, under these guidelines as they are today, would you give him security clearance? And he had to be like, under these guidelines as they are today, which did not exist when I selected Mm -hmm. him for this role, no, I would not do it. However, I do not want that to imply in any way that I do not think he is fit for this or whatever. Because they had had sort of a tense relationship Mm -hmm. and, you know, he... Matt Damon kept being like, compartmentalization, and they just kept not following that order. 
So I liked that sort of a payoff of like, no, they did develop sort of a friendship and he still stands by this decision. Um, to me, that's the only thing that really had a payoff. Yeah. And that's it. And that's yay, Matt. Yay, Matt. Yay, Matt. Yay, Matt. Also, desert. Beautiful. Beautiful. When they were like, how are we going to convince people to move to New Mexico? I'm like, what do you mean? If someone's like, come to the desert, I'd be like, I am packed already. You're strange, though. I love the desert. No, it's, it's very pretty. beautiful. And you are like a lizard. Yes. And you like when it is warm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, but I also did think it was like sad funny how he was like, beautiful land. Love it. Let's build a bomb here. And then let's test the bomb here. Also, things I didn't learn about in history because um, our history classes are not great and like to talk about the victors. But, you know, there are various different communities near where they had the testing site that had to deal with, like, the Native Americans just having all the radiation from them. They just pushed Um, those guys away. And then people who were affected by the radiation from Uh that and got all sickness and everything. And, like, that was not even briefly... I mentioned there were apparently fairly large Latino communities yeah. that lived on that land that in the Never movie was just mentioned. totally barren. It was like, oh, we can just they were just use like, this. oh yeah, like, sometimes no, there actual... like the Native Americans come over here for like yeah. their things, but other than that, it's ours. And I'm like, oh, I don't that. and like again, that. the movie didn't make it clear they were wrong, <laughs> like. It's one thing for white men to be like, no, they're not using it while they're, like, families on the land. Like, that just happens. But the movie, again, pretended that wasn't a thing. I just can't... Do you remember... It's it's so... Sorry, before you get into that. It's just... There's so much information in the movie, and yet we don't get that information. And yet! And and it... Ah! Like, the things that are, are chosen to emphasize and spend so long on Mm -hmm. and the things that christopher nolan just decided not to bother with at all except for there is one line at the end where oppenheimer says it should be giving back to the native americans yeah Yeah. and they were like Um, no we need to expand this project yeah um but like that was (laughs) that was it in 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 a movie where nobody stops talking for more than like 30 seconds because there's so much information that uh being thrown at us yeah anyways sorry i cut you off no Molly. that's okay mine was kind of a non sequitur did you did you ever have like world peace day in elementary school possibly okay because we did like a maybe it was world peace week Two weeks. I don't know. It was a whole maybe it was a whole unit it's a blur but i remember we read a book about sidako i don't remember her last name you mentioned this yeah before. because that had an effect on me in yeah. elementary school there was a pretty little song and I still am trying to find the song and in art class they taught us how to fold paper cranes yeah Sadako and the thousand paper cranes and she was she, I don't think she was even alive during the bombing I think she just had she got radiation poisoning later um, yeah when she was like Eleven. Oh, she was like a child, yeah, and then she died within a year or two. But there's there's a there's a like a legend in Japan that if you fold a thousand paper cranes, you can ask one of the gods for something. And so she and her friends were folding a thousand paper cranes, and she got to like seven hundred and eighty something before she passed away. That's so sad. And there's a whole song about her, and there's a statue of her in 
Um, oh, what is the town? I don't remember. Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Uh, she was in Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Um, and uh, she became like a symbol of peace and now people like study her and there's a little book about her and stuff and it's like it's a really good book is the thing I read like a we read like not a children's version of it but it was kind of a picture book like you know how they'll take classics like Little Women and Heidi and they make them like the Fisher Price almost it was kind of like that and it was really good and I liked it and it has stuck with me all these years because the song was really pretty and And yet you don't remember yet I don't remember it I don't remember any other words. I uh, I looked up the book on Wikipedia. Yeah. And I was like looking like up this song, and it notes that the album "Wanderer" by the death metal metalcore band <laughs> Heaven Shall Burn features a song called "Passage of the Crane" dedicated to her story. Good. So, Good for them. I, I'm just imagining that being the song of your childhood. <laughs> it could be. I'm gonna find it one day, and I then I will be more. I will be a sad happy because it's a sad song, but it's a lovely song. Anyway, I was thinking of Sadako the whole movie because relevant. Because relevant. How old? How old was she? Was I right? Um, she. It says that she died in 1955, but I'm trying to find when she was born. It doesn't say. But mm-hmm. she was she was young. Twelve. Twelve. She was twelve. I was one year off. If you were a true fan, you would have gotten it right. Don't make a joke about this. You should have known. Sadako Sasaki. And those are my thoughts. Oh, she was two thoughts. with a bomb sweater. She was about two. Five. She was two. I thought she wasn't born yet. I just, ugh, they have a word for bomb-affected person. That's so sad. Anyway, I'm glad we didn't have to see Japan yes. in Oppenheimer, because I don't know that that's our place to show, so. Yeah, I was, I, I maybe it's just cynical of me, but I was surprised that there wasn't, that the scene where Oppenheimer is watching the pictures coming mm-hmm. out of Japan wasn't just like showing awful images. The of actual pictures people. coming out of Japan. Yeah, yeah. I was. I know. Uh, that was a surprising amount of restraint, because like I think, I don't know, a different a different director would definitely be like, mm-hmm. here's some gruesome images mm-hmm. for you of. To show you the real effects of this. Yeah. Did not like the way that guy was like, here's a list of 12 cities to bomb. Oh, 11. I'm keeping Kyoto because but I love that scene. Because that is 100% and how that Oh, absolutely. They were just like, oh, I vacationed there. It was very nice. Yeah. I want to still be able to go to their beaches. Right. And I'm like, hmm. That definitely yeah. happens, and like, not true. Good scene, but also like, good scene. The fact Did that like you know they're like, way. oh, we're about to kill so many people, we're and like, we're just like civilians. picking from a list willy nilly. Yeah. yeah. Icky like, feelings. I just, just, just yeah. Big ickies. Big ickies. Big ickies. Yeah. No, I um, it's hard to say that I like liked that scene but i i much preferred 
something like that where we get to see something more in character and in scene mm-hmm. rather than like two people telling us information from yeah. a biography on Oppenheimer mm-hmm. as like the dialogue which again was so much of this movie it really it really needed to bring things down into like the people and into the the scenes because that you know that was one thing that stuck with me with the movie too is like that awful person talking about his honeymoon and yeah. like he he seems like so wistful in this moment where they're like oh yeah i guess we should get back to figuring out which tens of thousands of people we should kill yeah. um but not the kyoto people not the kyoto not the kyoto yeah. people anyway so we are at an hour and 12 minutes oh man we gotta go to barbie <laughs> and we've only talked about enheimer enheimer we gotta put on the rollerblades and then do the snowmobile and then do yeah. the camper van and then the tandem do bicycle. The tandem bicycle and then do the spaceship and then spaceship comes before do the boat and then do the car. That's yeah. how you get to Barbie Land. Yeah, you gotta do everything in reverse. Yeah. I think, actually, no, I was doing it in my head the other way. So I was like, you got this all messed up. No, we're talking about going back. You gotta back. I'm laid from Venice Beach. And I should know this because in that little quiz, I said I was weird Barbie. Yeah, you should know this. I should know this. And yet you don't. I'm a fake weird Barbie. Don't like that. You're just strange Barbie. Just less good (laughs) Barbie. It's just like unsettling Barbie. (laughs) The vibes are off. All right, so uh, before we get to Barbie, we're actually going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little chat. Uh, I'd probably cut that chat and maybe even put in a little bit of our theme song as I do when I cut things. This episode is already fairly long and we've got a whole other movie to talk about. I don't know why I thought that we would get them both done tonight. I also thought this, so... I did not think this. Oh. Yeah. Well... I was like, we got two whole movies to talk just... about. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really excited to talk about Barbie. I, yeah. I... Uh, spoiler for next episode. I really enjoyed Barbie, like, a lot. And have been thinking about it since we watched it. And I do want to give it enough time to talk about all the things we need to talk about. So, this is going to become a two-parter. Yay! We have done Enheimer, and next time will be Barb. Barb. (laughs) I will try and edit it faster so it'll be like a week or so in between or a few days rather than the normal like two to three weeks that it normally takes me. I'll I'll edit it a little bit faster. And uh, yeah, so next time it will be Barbie. Barbie. And then after that, we've got another movie. But I'll mention that at the end of the Barbie. Barbie. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. So until next time, which will be fairly shortly after (laughs) this one, hopefully. uh, So long, Hallie. So long, David. Goodbye, Kristen. So long, David. And goodbye, listeners.